0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place, customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Welcome to this Monday morning edition of Scorebox. We are live on the Poland-Ukraine border. We're live in Moscow and, of course, in London. And these are your headlines. The West is ramping up its sanctions on Russia, hitting the country's central bank and removing lenders from the swift global payment system. This has sent the ruble to a fresh record low despite protective moves from the Russian central bank.
2: And Russian President Vladimir Putin putting his nuclear deterrent forces on high alert, drawing criticism from the U.S. and the E.U. This as Ukraine and Russia prepare for talks on the Belarusian border.
0: Ukraine's two largest cities come under intense pressure with an assault on Kharkiv, seeing both sides claim control of the city, while the Ukrainian military holds Kiev despite increased bombing as Russian troops advance on the capital. British energy giant BP abandons its 20% stake in Rozhnev in a move that could trigger as much as $25 billion in write-downs. And crude prices spike with Brent back above $100 a barrel amid renewed supply fears while U.S. and European futures are trading sharply lower. So, very good morning, everybody, and welcome to our special coverage here. Let's get you right up to speed straight away on the market action we've had over recent hours. The Russian ruble has collapsed to an all time low against the dollar after Western allies unveiled a swathe of fresh financial sanctions targeting Russia's lending and its central bank. The US, uh, the EU, United Kingdom and Canada have agreed to exclude a number of Russian banks from the swift international banking system. Now that is a move that will harm their ability to make cross-border payments. The European Central Bank has already warned that Spurbank's European branches are facing collapse. Western allies also announced plans to block Russia's central Bank from accessing its foreign reserve stockpiles. Now those stockpiles estimated at somewhere between 620 and 630 billion dollars. The central bank is scrambling to manage the fallout by resuming gold purchases and easing collateral restrictions. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen has warned Russia's invasion of Ukraine will have disastrous consequences for the Russian economy.
3: The European Union and its partners are working to cripple Putin's ability to finance his war machine. These measures will significantly harm Putin's ability to finance his war, and they will have an eroding, severely eroding impact on his economy. Putin embarked on a path aiming to destroy Ukraine, but what he is also doing, in fact, is destroying the future of his own country
0: live on the lion there well delegations from Ukraine and Russia will now hold talks on the Belarusian border today the Ukrainian president uh, Zelensky says the negotiations are quote without preconditions the Belarusian president Alexander Lukashenko has agreed to ground all military aircraft helicopters and missiles during those discussions the Ukrainian leader has voiced scepticism that the talks will yield results but said he is willing to try if it means there is a chance for peace
1: Alexander Lukashenko addressed me so that Russian and Ukrainian delegations meet at the river Pripyat I underline without any conditions I'll say frankly like always I don't believe that much in the result of this meeting But let them try so that not a single citizen of Ukraine has any doubt left that I, as president, used every chance to stop the war, even a small one.
0: Mr Zelensky there. Well, let's catch up with Steve. Uh, Steve has been in Poland all through the weekend monitoring the situation on the Ukrainian border. And Steve, I think it'd just be good for you just to bring us up to speed with what you're seeing where you are.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, Jeff, you can handle all the geopolitical events and all the uh, amazing moves we're seeing out of the EU, out of NATO, and, of course, uh, vice versa, what's going on uh, in uh, Russia and Belarus as well. But it's quite extraordinary what I've been witnessing, uh, things I've never seen in my life, not in person as well, over the last uh, 36, 48 hours as well. Um, Just extraordinary across the board. We went down to the Medica border crossing yesterday, where a vast number, perhaps the busiest border crossing uh, out of Ukraine, Uh, into the EU. Of course, there are border crossings uh, to Hungary, to Slovakia, to Romania, to Moldova. But Poland has a 332-mile border uh, with Ukraine, and uh, the Medica crossing is one of the busiest there. We saw, quite frankly, distressing scenes there as well. A lot of women and children coming across the border as well, not allowed to bring, of course, the uh, men with them. They, under the martial law, Uh, in Ukraine have to stay if they are between 18 and 60 years of age. We've done a package on that, and that's actually on CNBC.com. But uh, we've come back a little bit from the border now. We're in a town called um, uh, Shemzhol, which is uh, basically the largest city after you cross the border from Ukraine. We're 14 kilometres from the border as well. Uh, And the station behind me uh, is the largest transit point for people who are crossing the border, both by coach and by train, uh, before they go on to elsewhere uh, within the European Union. There's a lot going on on a volunteer level. There's a lot going on on an institutional level. And maybe a little bit later on, we'll take you through and just show you the the terrible scenes uh, that are going on down in this part of the world as well. But I also caught up uh, on Saturday uh, with the lead Uh, on the U.S. uh, relief effort as well. That is Samantha Power, and our viewers will remember her as, of course, the uh, former U.S. uh, U.N. ambassador. Uh, She's now the administrator of the U.S. aid program, which is $27 billion worth uh, of humanitarian aid as well. I called up with her and asked her what she's seeing on the ground uh, and what she believes is going to happen next.
3: Early days, a lot of Ukrainians wanted to stay and continue to want to stay some to stay to fight some because they don't want to leave their homes Uh, many have moved into western ukraine and would prefer to stay within ukraine's borders if they can and it's not clear yet what putin's intentions are with regard to western ukraine so i think those numbers are very realistic though if you take the the scale of the brutality being inflicted um and i will say the welcoming posture that the frontline states have taken toward those refugees. I mean, that has to be commended. Poland has done away with all uh, COVID-related requirements, all paperwork requirements. I mean, basically, if you show any ID, you can come across. Now, it does take time to come across. But just to stress, this is an overwhelming crisis. And the system's Uh, are in place to deal with some population flow, but the systems are going to be ramped up dramatically on this side of these borders in in the next day or two.
1: That was Samantha Power, um, the administrator of USAID, talking to me yesterday. As I mentioned at the tail end of last week, the 82nd Airborne are down here as well, Uh, normally uh, out of uh, North Carolina, Fort Bragg as well. They are helping with the humanitarian effort and also bolstering uh, the NATO presence in the region as well. Uh, But, I mean, just look, it's minus three, it's snowing, uh, and these people are making a lot of this journey on foot because the border crossing is just ram-packed with cars on the other side. Uh, the EU has been making some more moves in the last 24 hours. Ursula von der Leyen uh, announcing that the EU had unanimously, throughout its 27 countries, uh, agreed to give asylum for up to three years uh, to Ukrainians, uh, to Ukrainian refugees, without the need to actually physically apply for and That is unprecedented in the history of the EU and the history of various crises on their borders as well. But uh, for now, Jeff, uh, I'll hand it back to you uh, from the Ukraine-Poland border.
0: All right, Steve, thank you for that. We'll catch up with you a little bit later on. Uh, the US, EU and NATO have condemned Russian President Vladimir Putin's order to put nuclear forces on high alert. President Putin directed his defence chiefs to ready the country's strategic deterrent systems, including nuclear arms, because of, quote, aggressive statements by the West. The move is in line with previously published Russian policy, but doesn't mean Putin is directly ordering preparations for a nuclear strike. The president warned at the onset of the invasion that anybody who tries to hinder operations would face, quote, consequences like never before. The Russian leader justified the latest escalation by blaming NATO leaders. You see that not only are the Western countries engaged in unfriendly actions towards our country in the economic field. I'm talking about the illegitimate sanctions everyone knows about very well. But the top NATO member countries' officials allow themselves aggressive statements towards our nation too. That's why I'm ordering the defense minister and Chief of the General Staff to switch the Russian Army's deterrent forces onto a high alert mode of combat standby duty. Well, let's get out to Hadley now, who joins us uh, from Moscow. Uh, And, Hadley, a a lot to focus on. Uh, Of course, there, there have been widespread protests, we understand, so your update on that would be welcome. But also how you see... Just life changing for Russians on the street as the government's institutions react to the tightening of sanctions.
2: There is a real fear here, Jeff, that we're going to see a run on the banks over the next 24 to 48 hours. It's something that, obviously, the central bank, even last week, was trying to protect itself against, saying that there would be enough money in the ATMs, um, whatever were to actually occur. As we saw this morning, just a couple of hours ago, the ruble plunging over 20 percent against the U.S. dollar, that wasn't unexpected. In fact, analysts that we were speaking to said that they were anticipating a, quote, bloodbath when the markets opened today. But it was really interesting, I thought, um, to take a step back and speak to a former deputy chairman of Russia's central bank, I asked him if Western sanctions, particularly um, not just the removal of certain Russian financial institutions from the Swiss system, but actually sanctioning the Russian central bank was tantamount to an act of war. Listen in.
4: This is a hybrid war, and it was not the United States or the EU which started uh, the war. Russia has started the war against the civilization, against the 21st century, against the whole world, and Vladimir Putin is ready to demonstrate his nukes for the whole world, saying, I'm ready to do it, and you will see consequences that you have never seen in your previous life.
2: Now, there is still a lot that is unclear about exactly how um, these Western sanctions are going to play out with regards to the central bank. What we have heard from them earlier today was that they have basically banned brokers from executing sell orders from foreigners. So if you're holding Russian assets, um, there's no way to get rid of them, if you will, at least not at this point. But one of the questions I also asked this former uh, deputy chairman of the Russian Central Bank was about what we saw overnight. Um, The CEO of BP, Bernard Looney, taking an executive decision um, to remove himself from the board of Rosneft, um, his predecessor doing the same, and to essentially say that they're going to divest themselves of that 20% stake in Rosneft. It's a a huge move, frankly, and one that's going to um, see the company take a major hit, uh, but one of the questions, of course, is, are we going to see other companies like Exxon as well as Total doing the same? Listen in.
4: I hope that the consolidation of the Western public opinion of the Western politicians will enforce many of uh, Western companies who operate in natural resources, in gas, in oil, in metals, to leave Russia, because it is unacceptable when major Was- uh, major international corporations support Putin regime by increasing its industrial base, by helping him to produce more oil, more gas, and so on. I think more companies to follow.
2: Now, just to put this in a bit of historical context, the last time that we saw a major run on the banks here in Russia was back in 2014. And at that time, SpareBank um, lost as much as 18, um, billion, or sorry, $16 billion in the course of a single week of people rushing to get their money out of the ATM. It was interesting uh, speaking to various people throughout the morning, Jeff. That deputy chairman of the Russia Central Bank, I asked him specifically, how do you anticipate this is going to impact everyday Russians? We've already seen protests, as you mentioned. Are we going to see more people taking to the street? And he said, listen, um, you know, two thirds of the Russian population don't even have savings. He said they're going to definitely feel this um, in the medium to long term when it comes to inflation. He was like, but by the time they're really feeling a terrible pinch here um, at home, he said, it's a question about whether or not they're even going to remember why they're feeling it.
0: Jeff? Hadley, thank you. We'll come back to you a little bit later on. Uh, moving forward, European foreign ministers have agreed to supply 450 million euros of military aid and weapons to Ukraine, marking the first time in its history that the EU has agreed to supply arms to a country at war. A further 50 million euros will be directed for non-lethal aid. The EU's top diplomat, Joseph Borrell, said the move marks a key milestone in the bloc's history. History.
4: And another taboo has fallen these days. The taboo that the European Union cannot use their resources to provide arms to a country who is being aggressed by others. Yes, they are unprecedented times. Because the war is back in our borders, and that's why it is a defining moment for this European history
0: yosef Borrell. ukraine's president has described the next twenty four hours as a crucial period for the country as it's two major cities kiev and kharkiv have come under immense pressure from advancing Russian troops. NBC's Erin McLaughlin joins us from Lviv, uh, right out there in Western Ukraine. Erin, good morning to you. Um, We've also heard over recent days sirens in Lviv. Can you tell us a bit more about the picture on the ground there?
5: hey there well this morning kiev remains in ukrainian control ukrainian military saying that in the overnight hours they repelled, repeated Russian attack. Uh, the commander of the land forces of the armed forces of Ukraine putting out the following statement saying all attempts by the Russian occupation forces to achieve their goal failed. Convoys of occupiers' equipment were destroyed. The enemy suffered significant personnel losses. Russian troops are demoralized and exhausted. We have shown that we know how to protect our home from uninvited guests. Violence already taking a staggering toll. Some 352 civilians killed, including... 14 children. This, as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says, that Ukraine will send a delegation to talks in Belarus, meeting a Russian delegation to discuss potential ceasefire, though he says he's not holding out hope, but wants to do everything possible to stop the bloodshed. Back to you.
0: All right. Thank you very much indeed for that. Erin McLaughlin joining us from Lviv. Still to come on the program this morning, how are companies looking to distance themselves from Russia? Uh, This as British energy giant BP abandons its near 20% stake in Rozhnev. We'll have details just ahead, and of course, we'll get to the all-important market numbers. The early picture on the US futures is that we will start the session sharply lower off as much as 500 points on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, with the NASDAQ indicated off 300 points. We'll give you a more comprehensive roundup of market expectations for Europe as As well, when we come back. So, welcome back, everybody. A lot for us to talk through together this morning, not least the corporate reaction and also how the markets are digesting what ultimately is this isolation of the Russian economy and financial system. We've also had a big pivot from Germany on a number of fronts, and we'll get to that in just a second. Just to keep you in touch, though, with the early predictions on the US Open, we're still indicated about 300 points lower on the Nasdaq, with the Dow off around 520 points and the S&P 500 starting the session down 93 points. But as we always say at this point in the programme, we're a long way away from the US Open, so we'll see how these change. The early suggestion is that we will get a negative start, obviously here in Europe, with the DAX futures called down nearly 3%, and the FTSE futures off down 1.4%. The Asian markets, though, have seen moderate losses where there have been losses and as you can see we've seen some of these markets flip into positive territory the shanghai composite is up about a tenth of one percent here with the nikkei 225 two tenths of one percent higher and the hong kong market which let's be quite frank about this has a world of problems domestically with the way they're managing the COVID crisis. Uh, we are down about eight tenths of one percent right now. But I don't think anybody had really penciled this in before the start of the Asian trading session. The fact, actually, that these markets may have been able to look through the risks of financial st- instability and the S&P ASX 200, which, of course very sensitive to higher commodity prices so that may in part explain some of the movement here is um... firmer you can see but shanghai composite nikkei 225 also positive at this hour the uh, oil price Inevitably, we got a very sharp spike in the headline crude prices, with uh, Brent crude up, as you can see, nearly 5% here at $102 a barrel, 62 cents, while the WTI quote uh, is still just shy of that $100 a barrel mark, but we were up... As much as 6% at one point, we are currently $96.67 a barrel. And while we're focused on oil, let me just walk you through the news over the weekend on BP. The company announcing it will divest its near 20% stake in Rozhnev, that's Russia's state-owned oil company. The BP CEO, Bernard Looney, will also resign from Rozhnev's board with immediate effect. The British energy giant says its holdings in Rojneft no longer align with its business strategy, adding that this action is in the best long-term interests of its shareholders. Western allies have agreed to exclude a number of Russian banks from the swift international banking system, a move that will harm their ability to make cross-border payments and isolate Russia financially. The banks affected have not yet been named. Russia's central bank has ordered brokers to suspend the execution of all orders by foreign legal entities and individuals to sell Russian securities. In a statement, the bank also said it had yet to decide whether to open markets other than the FX and money markets today. Spurbank Uh, says uh, it has experienced significant outflow of deposits in very short time. That brings you uh, bang up to date on the latest we're getting from the Russian financial system. Daniel Glazer joins us, uh, former Assistant Secretary for Terrorist Financing and Financial Crimes in the United States, Department of Treasury and Global Head of Jurisdictional Services at K2 Integrity. Daniel, thanks for coming to us this morning from Washington. Can I just ask you a very open question? From everything you've seen so far, to what extent now does this limit the Russian financial system from processing payments from connecting with the international financial system and from ultimately servicing the russian economy
6: well thank first thank you for having me here and, and let me say i think what's happened over the weekend has been quite remarkable in terms of how far the us and the european union have come really in just a few days uh, the the sanctions which were announced uh, last week when russia first began its incursions into into ukraine were Very, very similar to the actions that were taken uh, during the invasion of Crimea. Um, I think that uh, Putin probably anticipated that. The Russians probably anticipated that and were prepared prepared to accept that cost. What we've seen in just just over the weekend has really been um, uh, the announcement of, of the intention to wage all out financial warfare. Now, I i think we need to be careful uh it's just the intention that was announced we'll see over the next few days how the eu and the u.s uh, really plan to implement that but once fully implemented uh it it will uh uh, begin in, in in real real ways to cut russia off from uh western financial markets western capital markets uh stock markets uh russia really is going to find itself economically and and financially excluded and the eu and the u.s are uh economic and financial superpowers it's 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 not a fair fight if if the if the EU and US are really prepared to go down that road Uh, Daniel,
1: excluded from Western financial markets, and the Western financial system I think is the key here, we're not talking about Cuba, we're not talking about Venezuela, we're not talking about even Iran as well. Is it possible, though, that an alternative financial system between Russia and perhaps allies further east, perhaps with the Chinese as well, uh, could be a viable alternative for the Russians in the medium term? I appreciate in the short term they can't turn to alternative markets, but in the medium term, is that a likely scenario?
6: Um... It depends on what you mean by, by alternative. Uh, it is something that will likely be available to Russia if it, if it decides that the, the price it's willing to accept is to become a junior partner uh, with, 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 with China and some sort of access with China, um, excluded from the West, um, excluded uh, from all the uh, luxuries and conveniences that, that, that come with that. Um, and, and and rely and become a, a dependent on the Chinese financial system. Um, you know, Russia, as, as you said, is, 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 not, is not Iran, it's not Cuba, it's not Venezuela. It's, it's a G20 economy um, uh, that has a huge population, that has real businesses, um, that has people who, who are, are used to a certain standard of living. And, and China, you know, is not going to rescue uh, Russia from that. Uh, China could keep Russia afloat. Um, But I I think that the the Russian people at at a certain point are going to want to uh, do a little bit better than just merely being kept afloat.
1: Daniel, these financial uh, measures are seen as another tool in a broader armory, whether it's military pressure, political pressure, uh, financial pressure as well. Do you see the ultimate aim of these financial sanctions against Russia as regime change? Whenever I've seen sanctions like this used in those countries that you and I have just mentioned, it's been more or less about the West wanting some form of regime change uh, in those countries. I know it's a big question, but do you think that's ultimately the the aim uh, of these sanctions?
6: I do agree with you that in the past, when these types of measures have been used, they've been used in the context of regime change. Even just targeting the the head of state of a country uh, would, uh, under other circumstances, be regarded as regime change. I don't think uh, that's uh, what uh, the United States um, and and uh, and its allies and, and the European Union are looking for right now. I, I would be very surprised if they adopted a, a, a regime change policy in in the sense that. Um, you know, in the sense that that term has been used in the context of, uh, of, of Iraq or other places. No, I think that, uh, uh, that they're looking for a change in, in policy for Russia, albeit a, at this point a massive change in policy, and I think a change that's very unlikely to occur.
0: We've talked a bit about the uh, support they could hope to get from China. Can I just ask you very specifically about the measures against the Russian central bank at this stage? Because I think a lot of people before this most recent announcement thought that Russia may be able to weather the worst of the sanctions by dipping into its large oil and gas funded reserves. Obviously, we've seen moves now to limit the ability of the central bank to reach those reserves. Do we think now that western powers have ultimately severed the central bank's ability to fund this war
6: well again these 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 measures haven't the specifics of these measures have not been announced yet so it's not entirely clear exactly how the u.s um and the european union i believe japan has signed on to at least some of it how they actually intend to implement it Uh, but Yes, the, the the game here, the 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 game that's being played is is precisely what you said. Uh, Russia had has long planned. They've they've dramatically increased their 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 reserves, and they've they've moved a lot of it into gold into into non-U.S. dollar reserves. Um, and and it's pretty clear that their plan was to ride out this you know whatever sanctions were going to be imposed, you know by propping up their currency through reserves. The the West has called them on that. The West has said over the weekend. And this is the this is the major announcement that they made over the weekend we are going to prevent russia from u- using its reserves to prop up its currency they're going to prevent them from you know buying 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 back rubles they're going to pre- prevent them um, from transforming uh their gold into something that they could actually spend um it's a it's a it's a massive threat and uh you know, I, you know, and, and that's, what's going to be and then, and then what we'll see if they could succeed in that. And they're certainly capable of succeeding in that if they could succeed in that, then the question is what's Russia's burn rate, you know, how, how fast are they going to spend, um, you know, spend their reserves? How fast, um, are they going to be able to, uh, use what they have? Um, and once they run out or once they can't use it anymore, um, it will, it it will, it it will be a, a massive, massive blow to their economy. It's really something when when you think about how far the West has come just over the past few days. It it really, I, I find it remarkable. You know, I was involved in in the in the in the gradual and then rapid escalation of sanctions against Iran beginning in two thousand six, and we didn't get to this point and you know until five years into it. Um, what what you know, it's been less than a week. Uh, the, the U.S. and the EU have traveled in less than a week uh, what it took us years and years to do with respect to Iran. It's really remarkable.
0: Uh, and Daniel, just before we let you go briefly, can I ask you about the financial crimes aspect of your background here? We we understand yeah. that individuals now are being targeted for their ownership of global assets. Um, in, in your expectation, are we now going to see very quickly U.S. authorities hunting down and finding yachts and assets and houses and other belongings of these oligarchs very quickly, and will they be seized? And how will how will that work?
6: Yeah, that's one of those things that's easier said than done. But to the extent that all of these people, uh, that any of these oligarchs um, have their name on a list, it's not even really U.S. authorities that are going to need to hunt them down. If they have money at banks, uh, those banks will freeze those assets if they have yachts that are parked in uh in, in 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 a port uh that um that is that is that is operated by us persons or by eu persons those those yachts uh, certainly stand to be stand to be seized um if they own real estate if they own property in in countries uh like the united states and europe that that property can be um uh can be uh can be frozen can be, can be uh, their control of it can be removed, so it's it's a it's a it's a real serious matter, and and it's not a very complicated one in that sense. Now, um, people operating under aliases, under pseudonyms, people operating through uh, uh, trusts, or people operating through anonymous uh, corporations. There's all sorts of ways rich people can hide their money from the authorities and hide you know uh, hide the beneficial ownership of property. Um, but you know they're going to be spending a lot of time doing that. Time that. Uh, they're not going to be able to spend enjoying themselves, that's for sure.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
2: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.